0: Howdy, friends. Uh, I'm back again after a long break. Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of things and important things have happened uh, in this time that I haven't been recording podcasts. Uh, To say the least, I took Hebrew class in which I um, just learned a lot of Hebrew. And, of course, I learned a lot of awesome pastoral things that I'm going to share with you (laughs) in the coming months. But I also got married. Uh, And so I was really, if I had free time, I was devoting it to um, marriage preparation. So I swear I wasn't just trying to skimp out on you guys, and I hope you'll forgive me. But I'm having some new amendments to the show, and the first thing that is going to change with that is I'm going to start, not with updates, but with... Uh, the biblical and theological content so you guys can jump right to the goods and if you want to stop listening after that if that's you know what you came for then you can stop uh, and i will continue on for other people who want to hear um, to listen to updates about what i'm doing what's going on in my life and as well as getting updates on um, my 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 wife's life so because i am now married to my wife brigida And we're having a great time, we love being together, and we cherish each moment. So I guess that's how that starts. Without further ado, here is the theological content. Mm -hmm. First things first, guys, the Bible is a story. And it's a true story. And it's one long, continuous story. That begins at pre existence and you know, and then of course it goes to creation. People show up. Well, they're created out of nothing. And it goes on to a fall into sin. And then in certain ways, God or I'm gonna be I'm gonna be calling God by different names, I guess, from now on. So when I when I say God, um Usually, I mean the Father. And when I say Jesus or the Son, I mean the Son Jesus. And when I say the Spirit, I mean the Spirit. But I'm also going to be calling the Father Yahweh a lot uh, because since taking Hebrew and as I learned Hebrew, uh, I'm getting really obsessed with the Old Testament and how Yahweh, the Father, revealed Himself. To humanity through history, through a really just various and amazing ways. And the first thing I want to tell you is that the story of redemption begins in the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Now, I know that we've been taught growing up that, you know, just a lot of bad, weird stuff happened in the Old Testament, and then Jesus came, and finally we can be redeemed. However, um, Yahweh has been redeeming his people uh, ever since they uh, left the garden. And I also want to remind you that the Old Testament and the story and the world of the Old Testament is the same world that we're living in today. It's like that was reality and now is reality. It's the same reality. Human plight is an old concept you know um ever since the and by the way keep this in mind adam was not cursed the ground that he was to work was cursed humans have been suffering and men have been suffering women have been suffering so much so that whenever uh in the bible they're talking about extreme pain they express it in terms of childbirth because i guess according to the bible that's uh Maybe the worst pain a human can experience. That human plight connects us to our ancestors in the Old Testament, and uh, people are going to suffer in the future. And what this also alludes to is there is a beginning to our world, there is a middle to our world, and there will be an end to the world. And in the Bible, there are a lot of beginnings and ends. You know, there's the first Adam. And there's the second Adam in Jesus Christ. We have to, because the Old Testament, because the New Testament, because the Bible is reality, uh, we have to ask constantly, what has God actually done in history? And what does he promise? It matters that Jesus rose from the dead. It matters that it was a historical event. Just like how it's important that Adam's initial sin was a historical, physical event. Because it was a historical, physical event, it has historical, physical, and spiritual consequences for us and our future. And guess what? A huge sense of humility comes from knowing that God told us how the world came about and we won't be able to find the scientific answer. And so we find ourselves in this story of... Fall, grace, and redemption. And this happens many times throughout the Old Testament. Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, sin. Grace. God doesn't kill Cain. Redemption. He marks him and sets him apart from everybody else. Sin. The whole world is sinning and sinful in their hearts. They're only focused on sin. And so the world is flooded. Grace. God or Yahweh sets apart Noah and his family to survive the flood. Redemption. The whole world and all its generations continue through Noah and his family. A great blessing and redemption. Now, where does the grace and redemption take place in Genesis 11 when humanity builds a tower and they're trying to make it up to God and they've become gods themselves. Because God destroys the tower and everyone's dispersed, but then where's the grace and the redemption? Let me tell you, the whole rest of the Bible leading up to today and all of the future events told us told to us are the story of grace and redemption as put forth and planned by Yahweh from the beginning. And guess what? We're living in that story of grace and redemption right now today. And that's a wonderful and fearful thing. And so where does the story of grace begin after the Tower of Babel? Well, I'd say, uh, you know, many people would say the call of Abram, where Abram becomes Abraham, where Yahweh makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Now, isn't that something? This, you know, weird guy that's living by himself. He only has one wife. You know, what a loser back in the day, right? He only has one wife. And, um, you know, he doesn't even have any kids, and he's so old. He's 99. Why did Yahweh choose this guy? In fact, he says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So this rest of the time in the Old Testament, and from there on, it's Israel will be God's chosen people, and he will make their name great in all the world, and they in turn will try their best to make his name great. Though, Yahweh is making his own name great through his real actions in a real world that we live in today. The rest of this book, the Bible, and today, our world we live in, is but of course, especially the Old Testament, is a story about Yahweh telling Israel and his chosen people who he is. It is about his chosen people acknowledging the presence of God because that's he has promised to be with them, and he is with them in specific places because he is in specific places because we are no longer in Eden walking with him. Though, of course, today he dwells among us. But in this time, you know, he's at altars. He's on mountains. He's in bushes. And these places need to be treated with respect. Being in the presence of Yahweh is terrifying. You know, Adam and Eve hid from God. Moses, you know, (laughs) he hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. But this whole time... He wants to be with his people. He no longer is with his people because they were expelled from the garden, but he desires to be with them. And this is, you know, of course, another meaning of the Old Testament, the New Testament, today, the future. He wants to be with us. First, he talks with Abraham, you know, from the sky or whatever, and then from a bush and then on a mountain and inevitably in a permanent temple after being in a movable temple, which was, you know, a tent. And then finally, the incarnate Jesus Christ. And today, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. But on a side note, something that I think is really cool uh, that we were able to learn through Hebrew is the Hebrew word for bush is, uh, sene. And I guess it's a play on words with Sinai. So God appeared in a bush, a seneh, as well as magnificently on Sinai to Moses, which, um, something that I never noticed But is really weird is in the book of Exodus, you know, all of the Israelites can see, you know, when Moses has gone up this mountain, the presence of God is floating above the mountain in this, this smog and fire and just, you know, terrifying. And they're terrified. It says they're terrified. But then a couple chapters later, they have constructed this golden calf, you know, under the leadership of Aaron. And it's like you know, what are you doing? You just saw the terrifying presence of Yahweh, you know, physically right up there. And you had, you know, just been led through the Red Sea. uh, And he, you know, delivered you out of slavery, uh, you know, defeated all of your enemies by, you know, crushing them under the water. And yet you uh, built the golden calf, but that's another side point, which makes me think of other weird things I didn't notice until this reread through Exodus. And... One of those things is, uh, I never really paid attention to Jethro, uh, Moses' father-in-law, who is called a priest of Midian, and it's not clear really what that is. So if he was just, you know, lived in Midian, but he was also an Israelite, uh, then, you know, he did, you know, believe in Yahweh and all that. But say he was like a pagan, then later in what like exodus 17 when he hears of the deliverance from the red sea um and from egypt he proclaims that yahweh is great and you know at that point then he's become a israelite and if he was not an israelite before now he is part of yahweh's chosen people which coincides with another strange thing which is And I never, ever, even though I have, of course, read through this many times in Sunday school and blah, 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 there was a portion of people that, you know, in the Exodus crowd, left Egypt that were not Israelites, so to speak. You know, they were Egyptians. They're actually, um, they're called servants of Pharaoh. So basically non-Israelites, they also were delivered out of Egypt with the Israelites, and now they are Israelites. So Yahweh's plan wasn't just to save, you know, what we think of like the, this ethnic group. It's this chosen people that is more than just one ethnic line. Uh, it's a chosen people, and that can be Egyptians and historically Israelite people, as well. Now don't get that confused. I'm not talking about um, Yahweh's specific goal and miraculous thing he did of preserving you know this line all the way from um, Abraham to, well sorry, Adam to Abraham to David to Jesus. What I'm saying is, Yahweh tells Moses and then of course, on behalf all of Israel, You're my treasured possession among all peoples, but all the earth is mine and you're going to be, to me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so all of a sudden, the Israelites are this interceding, you know, all Israelites, all the chosen people are an interceding group on behalf of Yahweh to, you know, reclaim the world for Yahweh, all people, whether they be Egyptians uh, Midianites, or, you know, uh, Canaanites or Gauls eventually. I think I'm a Gaul, but regardless. Let's not forget that in while they were captives in Egypt, the Israelites forgot who Yahweh was just as much as the, the nations surrounding them, just as much as Pharaoh's servants or... Um, You know, Pharaoh says, I know not God. Well, the Israelites didn't remember either, or they did not know. And this is why, you know, he, Yahweh had to reveal himself initially to Abraham and then again to Moses. And then again on Sinai, because you can't just intuit and imagine in your head Who God is, or what a God is, He has to tell you because He is Yahweh and He has to tell you who He is. And luckily, we living today can read what He told us who He is, and now we can know Him. Because no matter what or how you thought of who God was in the past, or, you know, oh, well, God is love, or sorry, well, you know, God is a feeling I have. No. He tells you how to think of him with very specific words and in very specific locations. Um, That sort of wraps up my main story arc of what I wanted to impart to you guys. This story, uh, we call it at the seminary, the story of everything. But this story that has a beginning, a middle and end that we're in right now and is the same story now as it was in the beginning but some random stuff on the end something i thought was really cool and kind of like um opened my mind a little bit you know was i I always wondered growing up you know with the the 10 plagues you know why at the end or towards the end sorry like the ninth plague all of a sudden after all these really gross things happened it's like oh and then it was dark for three days well, if you think about the situation in Egypt at the time, right, um, Egyptians, they had this huge pantheon of gods, like 80 plus, right, and will not and but but they believe Pharaoh was this you know God man, the sun God, Ra. and they were all subservient and saw the Sun God as the ultimate, god that you had to bow down to and pharaoh was you know that god incarnate the sun god and what better way than to say no pharaoh you're not god you're not in control you're not a good leader than for yahweh to turn the lights off for three days and just let everyone know no if pharaoh is the is the you know the sun god then why is it dark for three days where is his power so that's just something cool I was thinking about. And then this is, of course, something you all, you guys probably all know, but just clicked in my mind. Um, in Hebrew, uh, the verb to redeem, it it's, you know, when a family member pays your debt. And I thought, you know, like I had never heard of it that way. And it, it's just, it's incredible. It's like, so the father paid our debt right? Through sending his son, Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. Our brother, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. It's just, he redeemed us. Uh, I just took the word "redeem" for, uh, at face value, but, uh, it's always interesting and fun to think about, um, you know, what things meant, why they mean that and, uh, carrying on from there. So thanks so much for listening to my mad ravings. Uh, Coming up after this short break, I'll tell you a little bit about um, recent things that have been happening for us. But please pray with me first. Uh, Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all the unique and sometimes strange ways that you choose to bless us. Continue to do so, but thank you ultimately for that covenant that we have been grafted into, that we have been baptized into in the name of you, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Continue to work in our lives to effect change that you want according to your will. And ultimately, Lord, always remind us that because we're in this story of redemption, all we can do is submit to you and your will and serve you and love you Thanks so much for that love. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, yeah, I got married this summer. That was uh, awesome. And we went on a honeymoon to Mexico, to Los Cabos. I highly recommend it, guys. Um, Actually, funny story, and this is just kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Um, You know, I grew up thinking we were like taught in kindergarten or whatever, that a peso is worth a penny. And so, you know, it was shocking that things costed a hundred pesos. And I was like, Oh, it's like a hundred dollars, but no, it's a dollar is a hundred pesos, blah, blah, blah. And so I have this in my mind and we get there and it turns out they did not have conditioner for us. And so we had to buy conditioner from the, uh, gift shop. (laughs) And I'm looking at, you know, this price tag on the, the conditioner and it says, uh, you know, 10,000 pesos. And I'm just, you know, like, oh no, you know, why are we being punished? Uh, I have to spend $10 on conditioner. And it was like this (laughs) point, It was at this point, you know, where we're, like, prayerfully considering, you know, like, Lord, do we need conditioner? Like, I can't spend the $10. And then we Google it, and a peso is worth half a penny because, you know, I guess it deteriorated and since I went to kindergarten. And so we ended up only spending $5 on a conditioner. And that's how much conditioner costs in the United States, so... Didn't lose sleep over it, but that's just like a weird, funny story that I'll always remember, and Brigida will always remember from her honeymoon, and just when you think these very small problems are these huge problems, like pure mountains out of molehills, but regardless, that's just a silly story. Since then, we've been settling in. I cook dinners. We prepare our lunches for the next day for her for work. And me for school, just uh, pure fun, pure learning everything ourselves and making things work. Just an awesome time, guys. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. And thanks for your support if you're supporting me. And please let me know how I can pray for you. And please keep Brigida and I in your prayers. Thanks so much. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Bye-bye.